Shri Gauri Vaishnava Guru Parampara Ki Jai Shri Bhalde Puni Mahamutsvatiti Ki Jai Go Bhakti Vrinda Ki Jai Go Premanande So, good evening and we're gathered on the occasion of the Baladev Purnim, Sri Baladev Ki Jai. So we will discuss a little bit about Baladev Tattva, and I want to do that in the context of continuing our discussion of the Brahma Vimohan Lila. We were taken into the Brahma Vimohan Lila because our discussion of Raghunuga Bhakti from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. And the last verse of Rupa Goswami's um, explanation of that is about Samanda Nuga, Raghunuga Bhakti, and the commentators there, Sri Vishwanath and Jiva Goswami, have referred us to the Brahma Vimohan Lila. So we were taken into the Brahma Vimohan Lila from there. Um, that those chapters of the Bhagavatam being a window for. Uh, Samanda Rupa and Samanda Nuga. Samanda Nuga means that type of rag bhakti that follows in the wake of Samanda Rupa, which is the relationships with Krishna in the Braj of Dasya, Sakya, and Vatsalya. And of course, Balaram is very much uh, involved with these, as we know, presiding over really Samanda Nuga bhakti, um, in as much as uh, he himself is the embodiment of Sakiras, and that Sakiras is also mixed with Vatsalya and Dasya. <clears throat> so, um, as I mentioned, we we went from there to the Brahma Bhimohan Lila, and we discussed this in, in Europe. Those classes should be available online. And to now speak about Baladev in the context of that, and I, I want to continue these discussions of Brahma Vimohan Lila for the Janamastami. It's an important chapter, uh, chapters, three chapters, for other reasons than uh, the fact that they are a window to um, an entry point, I should say, for Sambandha Nuga Bhakti, but uh, also from the point of view of Tattva, they're important. Um, and that tattva um, is important both for some Mandanuga and Kamanuga bhakti. We have to have a little understanding of tattva. Theoretically, you don't. Just listen to Krishna Leela and life can become perfect. But what we see is those who can do that seem to have gotten some tattva in a previous life and so forth. So uh, Krishna himself says it in one sense in the Gita when he says... Chapter Sloki of the Gita, what does he say? Aham sarvasyapravo matasarvam pravartate itimatpa bhajantimam buddhubhava samanvita ragabhava samanvita. He basically says here, Aham sarvasyapravo matasarvam pravartate. Basically, he's saying, I'm Kutwayam Bhagawan, the source of everything. Those who understand this are in a position to serve me, worship me, pursue me in a way that will uh, get one as close to me as one uh, can possibly get love in intimacy. Mm. Uh, so, the Aracharyas have made much of, out, of, out of Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. And these chapters, the Brahma Mohan Lila, are uh, three chapters, two chapters of the narrative of the Lila and one of Brahma's reflection, 
in many, many prayers, chapter 14, on the significance of the Leela. Um, uh, this is, again, the, as I said, the narrative in which it is clearly demonstrated that the conclusion of the Bhagavatam is that Krishna is the fountainhead of all um, manifestations of divinity. And as I've often said, the importance of having this in place with regard to our pursuit of of any particular form of, of rag bhakti is is um, well the idea behind that is that if you are to give yourself entirely you have to find someone who can take entirely so there's some capacity to give and to love beyond love in in on reverence which keeps some distance between ourselves and the object of our love. We want to have a real full yogic union in love. Then that will be love and intimacy. And um, and that requ- requires having a focus or a, a center in which we can repose our love that can take fully. So comparatively, the point is that Narayan cannot take fully. Hmm? He doesn't have a father. He doesn't have a mother. He doesn't know motherly love and fatherly love. If he does, it's still only in a very minimal sense. And Krishna of the Braj uh, knows it fully. Nanda Maharaj knows it fully. Yashoda Mai knows it fully. So who is Nanda? Who is Yashoda? What is friendly love? We cannot find this in Vaikuntha. Only half of friendly love there. Uh, not the full face of friendly love. Um, and so forth. And what to speak of Madhurya and Parakya hmm? within the context of that. So, uh, uh, understanding the position of Krishna, hmm, so to speak, that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of God, it puts us in a position to arrive at a type of love in which the Godhood that we're emphasizing, emphasizing in Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam is recedes to the background hmm? and there's even a forgetfulness that he's God at all which is necessary for intimacy so it's a very interesting dynamic hmm? uh, it also illustrates uh, an important point in general to us about our sadhana that being that the way of progress is acceptance and elimination Pujapad Sridhar used to like to um, use this phrase so at one point, certain things will be important for us to accept for our progress. They may help us. Another point, we must be ready to abandon them as well for our progress. We must have that kind of courage. Hmm? Um, we are following the flute sound of Krishna, and he may say, I'm over here. He may run away over there, only to find him saying, I'm over here. We're going to complain at that point and say, you said you were over here. I went there. No, we just keep following. And and the fact that there is movement and so forth is, of course, the very nature of Leela, hmm? that it's moving love, and love for that matter, in a, in a crooked way, not in a straight way, with ups and downs and curves that make for the excitement that uh, that... that that makes love worth pursuing in a sense. We pursue it for for a, for a sense of security and settlement in one sense, but it itself is very dynamic and has a life uh, uh, and a movement of its own that that, that that really makes it 
what it is. So it goes this far that we will accept and emphasize and preach. And as the Goswamis have, Shijiva Goswami wrote a whole treatise, Krishna Sandarbha, on one line of the Bhagavatam, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swami. It's a huge document. Hmm? And uh, uh, so we put considerable effort into something that um, we emphasize. It's the, it's the cornerstone in terms of tattva for building a kind of house of bhakti that, uh, that um, uh, in our hearts that we, we, we are involved in. And that very idea will be eliminated at a certain point or it will recede to, to the background. Uh, so Buddha Bhava Samanvita, Raga Bhava Samanvita. Hmm? Uh, two things, of course, as I often say, need to be in place. We need to have an object of love that can take completely. And this is, if you study, this is what Krishna is being, how, how Krishna is being described, who can take completely. He's described as the supreme enjoyer, hmm? using cultural um, sensibilities, of the time as to what an enjoyer would uh, would look like that that also carry of course into the uh, some extent the ontological reality of, of Leela but this is the point he's being just, uh, the absolute is the supreme taker enjoyer and that's very beautiful in that one who's often as I often said one who controls commands by love is not someone a controller to be afraid of. If we're controlled physically, if we're controlled mentally, that can be a problem. If we're controlled by the heart, that's not a problem because what happens is the controller ends up being controlled by us as well. That's inevitable, such as the nature of love. So nothing to fear. And um, so this point has to be in place. The supreme taker... And, that, and then we have to give without reservation. These two things, ahaituki, apatiyate, ayatma, sampasidati. So these chapters are about that. So they're important chapters, uh, regardless of our, um, our sentiment, for example, whether it be sambandhanuga, kamanuga, bhakti, or no sentiment at all. We learned some tattva, and so these chapters are very useful for that. They're very important to uh, to Odia Vaishnavism. Brahma's prayers that reflect back on the two chapters of the narrative are f- full of uh, jewels of Gaudiya uh, Siddhanta. So, to speak about Baladev in relation to these chapters, it will be appropriate for us to skip ahead a little bit. We left off at the end of chapter 12, which involves the slaying of Agasur which now sets up a scene, and we'll be talking about this as we go on through the Janmashtami festival, sets up a scene that ultimately uh, causes Brahma to take notice of a little cowherd village on earth. That's quite a contrast, uh, if you think about it. The big four-headed Brahma, uh, overse- as he's depicted, overseeing the universe and so forth, has become, uh, his attention is drawn to a tiny little rural um, community. You can imagine if the Brahma can be attracted to Madhuvan or Audarya, gave all of his attention there, and all the gods and so on and so forth, the goddesses. That would be quite extraordinary, such as the power of Krishna Leela, of course. Uh, 
and and muyantiyatsuraya. He was bewildered by that. And that's, of course, what follows. The slaying of Agasura sets this up. Brahma takes notice and um, and he creates some mischief. He tests the, uh, uh, the, the Krishna's power. Hmm? He knew Krishna. He received Diksha from Krishna at the dawn of creation. But at that point, Krishna was seated in his with his gyan mudra, bestowing knowledge and so forth. And here, instead of blessing, he's eating yogurt and rice with his left hand rather than his right hand. And if you think that's a problem, well, he says, well, I picked it up with my right hand and then I put it in my, I put it in my left hand and then I'm eating it from my left hand with my right hand. And Brahma's looking at like, what is this? It's an imposter. Hmm? Someone looks like my guru, but he's he's not acting like my guru. But the full measure of what Guru Dave is like, that takes some time to see. You may see his external form, hmm? and but to be acquainted with his internal reality, that is that is another thing. Kintu Prabhuya Priyavatasya. Outside he's representing Krishna. Inside he represents a particular sentiment for Krishna. So to be acquainted with that, that um, is progressive then. This, this when, when we say nityalila pravishto mishnupad, for example, paramamsa paribrajakacharya astatara sata srisimad, esi bhakti vedanta swami prabhupada, or whomever. Nityalila means that he's entered the nityalila. Now, his disciples, for example, in this case, or the disciples of any guru who's now entered the Nityalila, there's really cause for reflection. What was that external manifestation about? Hmm? What, where does it lead me now? And what does Nityalila Prabhupada enter the Lila mean? What is his position there? How I may contact him there? Hmm? Instead of looking at him as some figure that's overlooking the details of our organization, we should think, you know, we'll take care of the organization. He, meanwhile, he's under the Nityalila, and we should try to go in that that direction. Hmm? Um, intensify our our bhakti. Not try to keep him here hmm? in, 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 as an excuse for not being qualified ourselves, hmm? for example, to lead a mission. No. We have, we have real and compelling impetus to to uh, qualify ourselves to lead such a mission which does require hmm, some knowing, some access to that other side hmm, where he has gone. Hmm? This is all, this is, the, this is the challenge, so to speak, that comes before us. It comes in two ways, I should say. The challenge to, to, to rise to that occasion or secondarily, and as equally glorious, to rise to the occasion of following someone who has risen to the occasion. As Sri Dharmarsh used to like to say, and he said it to me personally, actually, in private, he said that in the absence of our guru, we have three choices. Either become guru, and that's not so easy, but that is one, to follow someone who has such qualification as taken up that, um, that service, or to get out of the way. Hmm. These are our choices. So, so at any rate, the Brahma Vimohan Lila. Mm. 
And here we uh, enter the chapters. Uh, we enter into the into the twelfth chapter. Um, um, as I say, Brahma, Brahma enters in, in, in this chapter. Agasura was killed. Brahma appears. He doesn't recognize his guru, Krishna. Uh, he's seeing him in the Leela. He's seeing him in Sakyarasa. Before he saw him in Gopavesh, dressed as a Gopa, but with Gyan Mudra giving a blessing, speaking the Chatur Shloka with the Bhagavad, it was highly philosophical. And here he's mumbling uh, gibberish with his friends and putting food in their mouth and they're tasting it and saying, this tastes good here, you try it. And taking it out of their mouth and putting it in his mouth. And this, this he, he was offered entrance into Raghavakti at the time, the dawn of creation when Krishna spoke to him and he accepted, but what it all meant, what it was all about. Hmm? Now he's getting some hands-on acquaintance with that and he has to rethink, do I really, with my four heads, do I want this? This is what I came for. This is very extraordinary. And what, and what is it exactly? Hmm? Uh, it's, it, yeah, so there's some, there's, there's some necessity for understanding these things. Hmm? Some people say nowadays, well, probably didn't talk about it much, so we don't need to understand it. It's just a detail, somebody wrote the other day. Raghunuga Bhakti is just a detail. Prabhupada didn't talk about it much. And details can be, you know, dismissed. Principles have to be accepted. Therefore, we should just read Prabhupada's books. Well, you might want to read them a little bit more. Because, and he said, in the Bhagavatam, there's no reference to Raghunuga Bhakti, so it's just a detail. And, and, and Chaitanya Charitamrita says that everything can be found in the Bhagavatam. Hmm? Well, good. Chaitanya Charitamrita is the distilled essence of the Bhagavatam, and it tells us very loudly Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to give Raghunuga Bhakti to the world. I don't know how you could have missed that. It's a fairly prominent uh, aspect of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, which is speaking, amplifying the essential teaching of Srimad Bhagavatam. Of course, when we went through our discussion of Raghunuga Bhakti from Sri Rupa's uh, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, he was very quick to put, locate this Raghunuga Bhakti on the scriptural map hmm, by reference to Srimad Bhagavatam. You may remember the discussion there. So to say that it's not mentioned in the Bhagavatam is to not have understood the Bhagavatam. And a Sanskrit degree is not what you need to understand the Bhagavatam. Hmm. You need to follow your guru in such a way that you become a follower of the parampara. Hmm. You need to follow, for example, Prabhupada in such a way that you have access and understanding to all the, the teachings of the predecessor of Charities, not in the way that separates him from them hmm. and causes you to make silly statements like, Prabhupada didn't talk much about it, we're not have to be concerned, it's, it's, it's a detail. Hmm. I just bring this up on as an aside because something along those lines was shockingly brought to my attention recently. That is, the, the, the extent, the measure of which, the extent to which there is misconception about what are the core teachings of Gaudiya Vaishnavism amongst many who um, identify themselves with the teaching and even identify themselves as teachers uh, of the subject matter. So, Guru Tattva, big topic. Brahma's coming to deal with it in the Brahma Vimohan Leela. Hmm?
Again, he saw Krishna as his Diksha Guru, giving knowledge in a very kind of Upanishadic type of setting. Bhagavatam is the essence of the Shruti. Um, Shruti Saram Ekam. And Brahma speaking the Chatur Shloka, and there we find uh, explanation of Raghunuga Bhakti, and he's giving access to Brahma. Now Brahma is being acquainted. He's coming into the Brajalila. Krishna's arranged this. That it, it's such a big arrangement. See how out of the way the guru goes to teach the disciple. Hmm? And Brahma had four heads, so it was a little bit difficult. You know, deal hard enough to deal with one head of one disciple and try to harness that uh, uh, reasoning power. Hmm? Um, mind senses and ultimately reasoning has to be harnessed. To be a slave of our reasoning is is very subtle and difficult to sort out that, I, that that's what's taking place, that I'm being used by intellect hmm? rather than using my intellect, using my head to soften my heart, for example. If I'm ruled by intellect, my heart will become harder hmm? as a result of that. So, these are the things that Brahma's going through. It's very interesting, it's very instructive to us. Hmm? And we skip ahead, as I say, to talk about Baladev in one sense, in these chapters, he is not in the Brahmavi Mohan Leela until the end where he reflects back upon it because the day in which, on which Krishna left home to go into the forest and slayed Agasur, had a picnic lunch and so on and so forth, Brahma was, Balaram was not present. He was chained to the couch at home because of the visit, visiting uh, distant relatives and uh, as frustrated as a young boy would be on uh, uh, in such a social occasion, uh, but he gave his permission to Krishna and by note to to go ahead. And he, I, I said, I understand you have something extraordinary that you want to do. Normally, I'm the one who rises early, blows my conch, or excuse me, blows my bugle, my buffalo horn, and all the cowards rise. And Krishna's, you should understand, Krishna's flute makes everybody pass out. Hmm? in the Leela, for the most part, go into a swoon. And, and Balaram's buffalo horn calls everybody to rise to the occasion of service. So every morning he's blowing the horn, the cowherds are assembling. And this morning Krishna rose early, blew his own buffalo horn, everybody rose, and Balaram thought, hmm, he's got something very extraordinary in mind today, what he will do, but I'm stuck here at home. But anyway, as the older brother, I give my permission to go and... Uh, so he went, and 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 the last chapter ended with uh, the killing of Agasura, the mukti of Agasura, Sauja, and then Sarupya mukti. He got a form like that of Narayan. We'll be discussing this, but that having been described by Sukadeva Goswami, Parikshit Maharaj, a very astute listener as he is, an inquirer, Parikshit. Um, asked why Sukadeva said, and so hmm, um, Krishna killed Agasur, and the cowherd boys explained this to the cowherd community one year later. Hmm? And Sukadeva, Prichit Marsh said, wait a minute, what, why one year later? Because the boys would go and there would be some exciting incident that occurred in the calf herding, cow herding, herding, or in the different, even earlier pastimes of Krishna, they would immediately, of course, be the mouthpiece for that and report it to everyone. 
who would listen and with some measure of disbelief and and know that boys would exaggerate, tell stories and so forth. Um, how could they contain themselves for a year and not tell this amazing story? Hmm? Uh, <laughs> and so Parikshit Marge, good student that he was, he asked the question, why this took one year for them to tell the story? Hmm? And this caused Sukadev to go mad. Hmm? The inquiries, the implication is that Parikshit Marge were such that they were in perfect concert with the 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 the, 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 the shravanam of Parikshit Marge was in perfect concert with the kirtanam of Sukadev, and they were augmenting. And what, the kirtan would cause hearing, the hearing would cause chanting, and so forth. So it's like a beautiful concert of of, of call and response. Hmm? Sukadev gives this beautiful explanation and Parikshit Marsh responds with a, with a question that causes Sukadev to go into a, a, a trance and, and, and continue and, and, and reveal confidential topics. Hmm? The implication here is that, that, that for the sincere student, the guru cannot hide anything. Guhyamakyati, hmm? Parikshiti, you have to tell everything. Of course, he doesn't want to hide anything, but not everybody wants to know everything and change their life as dramatically as knowing everything would uh, would, would require and so forth. So, so Sukadev has been speak in this uh, 12th, 13th chapter about why it took one year to tell the story and how Brahma came, stole the calves and coward boys and so on and so forth. But we come now to towards the towards the towards the end of the chapter, where a year has almost expired, a few days lacking only, and it perks, and Balaram sees something that perks his interest. And so he inquires about it. And in the context of his inquiry, we find the dasyas, dasya bhava that is part of the mixture of his sakya hmm, in Samandha Rupa Bhakti. Hmm. So I want to speak a little bit about that. Balaram is a sakha and he has, his sakya is mixed with dasya and and, um, and and vatsalya. I want to speak a little bit about that dasya aspect and it comes here in this section of the Bhagavatam. This is our praman, our evidence for the fact that his bhavisankul is, is mixed. Hmm. It's sakya but it has this admixture. Hmm. Um, of, as I say, Vatsalya and Madhurya, or excuse me, Vatsalya and Dasya. So about the Dasya aspect. And and it comes here in a beautiful way also because it's really, is, is kind of a precursor and it sets up the main argument from the point of view of Tattva that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of God, which Brahma is going to see. Balarama questions, he will get his answer and then Krishna will show that the year will end, Brahma will come back, which is a minute of his time, and and he will see all the cows and calves and coward boys are still stolen, but they're still but they're still present at the same time. And Krishna will show himself as all the cowards and all the calves, and he will understand Krishna the source of Narayan, because he will Krishna will show himself to be the source of innumerable Narayans. Whereas Narayan is the source of the universe, the Brahma's 
firstborn and so forth. So my point is what? That, that this argument is being set up, in a sense, by, by what Balaram will say here. In the mood of Dasya Bhakti, he will proclaim, in so many words, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swam coming from Balaram, that's a, a pretty powerful testimony. What is his position? Hmm? Uh, he's kind of the second in command, so to speak. And, and he basically will say that I'm second in command and the commander's command has my head spinning. Hmm? What is his position? So, um, some discussion from this section of the Lilo. I'll, I'll preface that further by just some general discussion about um, Balaram and his appearance. Um, this is the Purnim, so he appeared on the, the full moon eight days prior to our Krishna's appearance. Krishna doesn't appear on the full moon, which is peculiar. You find most of the avatars appear on the, on the, on the Purnim. Of course, Radha doesn't appear on the full moon either. And if you put their two births together, you get a full moon. Mm-hmm. That is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, whose fullness is so, uh, uh, compared to the moon, is so extraordinary that the moon himself became embarrassed on the day of his fullness and, the, and, and let the earth cast a shadow. Mm-hmm. That is Rahu, the eclipse of the moon. The moon had itself, was eclipsed, the implication is, by what was happening on earth. Is the earth shadow that's cast that, that uh, causes the eclipse? Something like that. And then when we, we personify that, put consciousness behind it, we have, we have the headless Rahu. Hmm? But on earth, the shadow was cast because the tall and towering Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was appearing. Huh? Although he was only a child, he had a tall and high prospect uh, mission, a contribution to the world. His contribution was so significant that a charge like Prabodhananda Saraswati Thakur have said, who cares for Baraha? Who cares for Kurma, Matsya, Narasimha, Vaman, all these different avatars? Now that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has appeared, their appearances are eclipsed by that. What to speak of anything else of a worldly order? Anything else of a spiritual or spiritual order is eclipsed by the extraordinary occasion and significance of the appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm. So, that is the Yuga Milan, the combination of Radha and Krishna. That is the fullest of moons. They appeared not on the full moon, but if you put the two together, you get a full moon. The implication is, this is, this is what we want to do. This is Gaudiya Vaishnavism. We want to bring together Radha and Krishna. Hmm? This is the Baladev Purnim. The Julanyatra ends with Baladev Purnim. The Julanyatra is an intimate um, leela of Radha and Krishna on the swing. Mm-hmm. And it's observed in many temples around the world. We observed it recently in Madhavan with uh, the San Jose Gaudiamat uh, devotees bringing Radha and, uh, and uh, Govinda to Madhavan and uh, celebrating with us the Julanyatra and now the Baladev Purnim. So it rests on Baladev Purnim. Baladev is a good day to reflect back on that. Hmm? Um, in as much as, yes, Baladev presides over Sambandhanuga. What is his relationship with Madhurya Rasa? 
He certainly doesn't get in the way of that. No, he facilitates it. In the context of Krishna Leela, he facilitates it by getting out of the way of it, so to speak. Because if he's present, that will inhibit the Madhurya Leela, the, the Parakya. Hmm? If the older brother of Krishna is present in, in, in the context of his association with with Radha, for example, Radha will have to show some respect. Hmm? So that's why we don't place Balaram on the same altar with Radha and Krishna. Radha and Krishna will be a little inhibited. inhibited. So Balaram gets out of the way. He's the Mariada Purusha in Krishna's life. This is his Vatsalya. Hmm? Mariada means that the, he, he, he over, he's the older brother, so he makes sure Krishna's a good boy and he does things correctly and so forth. He's called Dauji, the older brother. As the Leela moves from Vrindavan to Mathura and Dwarka, that becomes more prominent because as he becomes, as they both grow older and so forth, the fact that he's the older brother comes out a little bit more than when they're just um, younger children. But nonetheless, Mother Yasoda is playing in her Vatsalya Bhakti. Of course, she's harping on, emphasizing the Vatsalya aspect of Balaram's Sakyarasa and telling him, you take care of that boy, you know, make sure, watch out for him, hmm? and so on and so forth. Therefore, Krishna had to get the permission, as I said earlier, of Balaram to go and do his um, picnic lunch and ultimately the killing of Agasura and so forth. Hmm? So, uh, you know, and, and the importance of Balaram, of course, with regard to the Madhuri Lila comes out more fully in the Gauralila where he appears as Nityananda Ram. And uh, no one has, in one sense, done more to um, emphasize the um, and facilitate, I should say, the pursuit of the Madhurya Lila of, of Krishna than Nityananda Ram, who began, in, in many respects, the Sampradaya by announcing he said this. He started the Sampradaya. Before the Goswamis wrote their books and their philosophy and so forth, uh, theology and uh, empowered as they were by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Nityananda started the Sampradaya, started the worship of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? Um, so, and he is, of course, the presiding deity um, of Chaitanya Bhagwat. Uh, along with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he's the presiding deity of Chaitanya Charitamrita. He's behind the writing of both of these books, being directly the inspiration for them hmm, as the testament of the authors, Vrindavan Das and Krishna Das Goswami, um, um, as, they, as they say in their books, as they testify. Hmm. So, um, we should not think that the worship of Gornatinanda is somehow uh, an impediment to worshiping Radha and Krishna. But um, that worship is a little different than the worship of Krishna and Balaram. Although they are Krishna and Balaram, they will be worshipped according to the moods that they're in. Hmm? Yeah, their mood is slightly, slightly different. It's very much Audarya, giving out of the Madhurya. Hmm? So, at any rate, Balaram is, although he's the Mariada Purusha, you'd think, okay, he's watching out that Krishna's a good boy. Hmm? Um, you'd think, well, if he's running off with some, some, some unmarried girls, he'd report that. No, that he won't report. He'll report Krishna's eating dirt, 
And this is a problem. He's misbehaving in this way, but he doesn't report that he's rendezvousing with gopis. No, he, he, he has no objection to that whatsoever. Hmm? So if we think that Balaram is more uh, proper and appropriate in his behavior, we should notice that in his behavior, he doesn't object to the behavior of Krishna. Hmm? Of course, he has his own gopis, but that is Mariana hmm? itself. That is not um, like Krishna's love for gopis. Hmm? And we're not concerned with that aspect of Balaram. We're concerned with, the, the, with what he more substantially embodies. He was born, hmm? as I said, eight days before Krishna, and it was such an auspicious occasion, his birth. He was so beautiful, so charming. Hmm? To compare him to different beautiful aspects of nature all at once would not do justice to that. And all of this, in spite of the fact that he seemed deaf and dumb. Now, you imagine if your son was born deaf and dumb, you'd think, it's a real problem. Hmm. It might be, maybe the mother would still think he's beautiful and, you know, and not listen to that, but others would think, oh, how sad, and so forth. So Balaram appears like unconscious, dull, kind of inert, but still everybody is saying how beautiful, how extraordinary of a child he is, and so on and so forth. Hmm. And, um, and, of course, it's eight days later that he becomes fully animate when Krishna appears, the implication being, of course, he's living only for the service of Krishna. This is the aspect of him that the Goswamis have, have brought out and that we emphasize. In Madhavan, for example, we have Krishna and Balaram, Dauji and, Gop- and, and, and Gopal. Hmm? So where is the Shakti? They're both Vishnu Tattva. Hmm? Well, Balaram, we look at Balaram in two ways. One, as the personality of Godhead, but more as the personality of Godhead, servitor, as Prabhupada used to call him, embodying a certain uh, bhakti, which is the the shakti. Hmm? So we look at Balaram in terms of the bhakti that he personifies. Hmm? And um, and we we worship him as God, and we worship him in terms of uh, being the presiding, as I say, as he does, over Sammananuga bhakti. So, so he is living. The point is only for serving, serving Krishna. His color, we we you know we we hear that the, the different colors, the complexion, different colors in Indian aesthetics correspond with different emotions, just like they do in in our society. If we want, we paint the room blue, it'll be a little cool. If we paint it paint it yellow, it'll be warm. So in Indian aesthetics, of course, there are different aestheticians in Indian history, Bharat Muni and uh, Abhinav Gupta, and of course, Rupa Goswami has his own bhakti aesthetics, bhakti rasa, and they have described or tied different colors to different sentiments. We hear in one sense that Balaram is white, but Rupa Goswami describes him in Radhakrishna Gonadesh Deepika as crystal in color. So this is more telling. The white color corresponds with with with, with shantarasa. 
The crystal color is not one that's, that's, that's mentioned, for example, in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, but the crystal means what? Crystal means transparent. That's what it means. It means it takes on the color that it's next to. That's why we find when Balaram came from um, uh, Dwaraka to deliver a message to the inhabitants of Mandaban and the gopis in particular on behalf of Krishna, as the representative of Krishna, that he became so representative of Krishna, so fully embodying the spirit of what Krishna wanted to convey, that he turned sham, blackish in color. The famous Daoji deity of, Gop- of Gokul in Vrindavan is black. Hmm? We hear he's crystalline color or, or light in complexion. Hmm? The light in complexion of Balaram next to Krishna is to, is to bring out the beauty of the, of the darkness of Sham, Sundar, the beautiful dark. So he's living, the point is, only for this purpose. Hmm? He's living only to bring out the glory of Krishna, the embodiment of, um, of serving to Krishna. It's said that, the, that in Chaitanya Charitamrita, that Balaram is the mool, hmm? the root of the bhakta abhiman, hmm? the conceit or the, the ego of serving. Hmm? In one sense, the jiva is, its dharma is to serve. Prabhupada used to say, just like the characteristic of water is wetness that you cannot separate from water, so the characteristic of the jiva is to serve. When we say, jiva sarup hoi krishna niptidas, the jiva is the eternal servant of Krishna, we mean that it's eternally, by nature, subordinate to Krishna. Hmm? It's a tattva, a, 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 a shakti that's subordinate to Krishna, dependent upon Krishna, and lives really for the purpose of serving. And serves in all instances, whether we serve the material energy un, and unknowingly serve, thinking we're the enjoyers, or we serve directly hmm? in bhakti rasa. So Baladev is, the, is very much, the jeeves are very much tied to Baladev. Yes, as, as Maharsankarshani presides over over ego, over identity. So he is living only to serve Krishna. So this is what the crystal, if you will, color brings out. Hmm? It's transparent. He's only there to, to if, you, if you put, well, in the one sense, if you put black next to white, the black will shine out. If you put black type on a white page, then you can see it that much better. Hmm? And it doesn't work as well the other way around. At first it looks cool, if you put white on the black, but you can't, they don't make books like that for a reason. Hmm? So black on white means Krishna on Balaram. Hmm? He is there to showcase Krishna, and in all, all respects, not just in terms of Vatsalya, Dasya, and, um, um, and Sakiras, but Madhuryas also, as I pointed out. He is, Naratham said it in a nice way when he said, Arko Benitai Chander Karuna. If you want to enter into what is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Ramabhava and live in Vrindavan, you have to go through through the uh, through Nityananda Prabhu. There you very easily put out the fire of material existence which is required. 
you know, the story of Nityananda Ram appearing naked in the social assembly, uh, one, one such assembly of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his associates. And uh, while everyone might have been a little embarrassed, um, perhaps he had copans on, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took the copans off. See it completely naked. And by the way, take a piece of this copan and tie it around your neck, around your arm, and your senses will become controlled. Because it would appear Nityananda's like lost his senses. He's out of control. Hmm? This morning, reading about him and his appearance in Gorli, he was said to be sober and controlled. And there's one side of him. The other side is he's completely like, he's completely controlled, that's for sure. But to be completely controlled means to go mad in, in, in love of God. And the madness would show up on the outside at, at times. He didn't know if he was wearing clothes. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, take his copan and wear a piece of that around your neck or around your arm, and you'll have such power that you'll be able to control your senses. Never think that Nityananda Ram doesn't have control of himself. Hmm? He's so controlled that you should hope for such. Hmm? Uh, that, that means that the Vrindavan life that looks like something other than what it is, 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 is the supreme yogic... Union. If yogis are concerned about controlling the mind, controlling the senses, and so forth, as they are, of course, and this came out in the previous chapter of Brahma Vimohan Lila, hmm? when Sukadev was describing to Parikshit Maharaj the extraordinary intimacy of love between the cowherds and Krishna, he was at a loss of words for that. Kritapunjapunja. Hmm? He's in so many verses, in two, well, two verses really, he reflected on. Uh, what is that verse? Hmm. He said, Krita Punya Punja, that's the last line. He says, Brahma Sukam Tvanantam. All these things. He, 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 he reflected in terms of Aishvarya Gyan, Ovadi Bhakti, in terms of Gyan, and then another verse in terms of Yoga. What is the nature of control uh, and the acquaintance that that sense control and mind control? Uh, if you will, uh, yoga mind control, what is the extent to which that brings one in touch with Krishna, those methods are nothing in terms of uniting us with Krishna in comparison to what he was witnessing was the case with with um, the cowherds and their intimacy. In Sakharas, his his mind is 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 was bewildered by that. What 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 have they done to arrive at such a position? Hmm? What is the nature of that? What is that that practice? And we should be excited. We're involved in that. Hmm? We're in, we're in. This is our our prospect. This is very extraordinary. Hmm? Very uh, uh, exciting. Hmm? So, uh, so, <laughs> welcome. Hi, yeah. Pull up a, one chair there, and there's, a, there's another chair outside. Get a chair for Brahma. Okay. So, Baladev um, is, as I say, uh, repre- in the embodiment of 
service to Krishna. We, we emphasize his sakyarasa, but we're talking tonight about his, the dasya aspect with regard to his birth, his appearance. Of course, this, this comes out right away. What is that? That it is partial manifestation, ananda, who fully embodies this dasya. We find this, this is an aspect of Balaram. If we could take the dasya component of his sakya and separate it out, at personified, you would have ananta. Hmm? And ananta means, well, it means unlimited, limited. it means the, the end, it means the bottom, it means the foundation, hmm? it means like support. Hmm? And in every way, this ananta is serving. So the dasya, for example, aspect of Balaram is manifest in the Vrindavan Leela, but more indirectly. Hmm? There he is, the shoes, the, 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 the umbrella of, uh, of Krishna, the bed of Krishna. He manifests as presiding deity of Sandini Shakti, the whole of the Dham. Hmm? After, he's in the background, kind of facilitating the Leela. Hmm? Huge aspect of dasya, but this is indirect, as the person Balaram in Krishna Leela in Vrindavan, he doesn't as readily appear in dasya bhakti as he fully appears in his partial partial manifestation of himself. As I say, if you were to take the dasya component out of his sakya, his sakya is mixed with dasya and vatsala, if you take that out, personify that, we, we were doing that by talking about it, we see, ooh, he's a lot of, yeah, yeah, we can understand why he presides over Dasya Bhakti. What, yet you, it would be hard to compare to Ananta hmm, if he wanted to be a servant. Hmm. Following Krishna in every avatar, as his bedstead, the, the, the serpent, as he's depicted, the umbrella, and so on and so forth. And, and, and with the birth of Krishna, so it is. Hmm. It was Ananta, a partial manifestation of Balaram that appeared first in the womb of Devaki. What's he doing there? And then, by the arrangement of Yoga Maya, there appears to be a miscarriage after maybe seventh month of a pregnancy, and the part expansion of Balaram, who is Ananta, in the womb of Devaki, comes into the womb of Rohini, merges with the full uh, Balaram. That so that Dasya component, if you will, is merging back into into Balaram. And Balaram is, of course, the full Brajbasi. He's born of, 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 of Rohini. So what's he doing? What's a partial manifestation of himself doing in the womb of Devaki? Well, when he has a, what he's doing everywhere else, he's serving. He's, he's preparing the ground for the appearance of Krishna. There were seven pro- previous um, pregnancies that all ended in miscarriages. And allegorically, of course, they represent a Mada, Kam, Krod, Loba, Moha, Mada, Matsarya, all these problems, anger, greed, envy, illusion, and so forth. Um, so any remnants of this is being cleared away by Ananta for making the uh, ground suitable for the appearance of Devakinandan Krishna. So what's he doing there? He's doing service before the birth of Krishna. He himself, as I say, of course, an important point, is the son of Rohini. He's a Brajbasi. Rohini is a Brajbasi. Rohini is living in, in Mathura. Hmm? She's one of the wives of, of, of 
Vasudev, but she's a full Brajbasi. Well, how could she be a Brajbasi by not be, if she's not born in the Braj? Hmm? Such is the power of association. That's how we should make our evaluations. Hmm? By qualities, by character, and much of that is a product of, of association. So um, it would be hard to find a more full-fledged Brajabasi in Vatsalya than, than Rohini, and she's not born there. Sometimes people make the argument, well, Chaitanya Leela manifested in Navadweep, all the associates were born in Navadweep. If you're born outside of Navadweep, then it's, uh, you know, it's lesser or something like that. But here's an example, even in the Krishna Leela. Hmm? Um, yeah, the idea being, of course, that we make our determination by a full analysis. I've given an example before of Costa Rica. You take Costa Rica. Costa Rica has no army. So it's next to Nicaragua, Guatemala, and there's a, and a, and a, a warring uh, region. At times it's been quite um, hostile. Hmm? Um, and you would think it was in danger. It has no army. It's next to Nicaragua that for years was in, a, in, a, in, a, in revolution. It could have spilled over into... Costa Rica, but Costa Rica has no fear of Nicaragua and they have no army. If we look at Costa Rica, we think this, this country is in trouble here. It's in a dangerous area. But if we step back and we see, oh, it has support from, from the United States, from North America, hmm? oh, that's no problem. It doesn't need an army. <laughs> if the Nicaraguans were, you know, the, what do they call it? The, 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 the Contras, was it? Yeah, the Contra Revolutionary. Yeah, the Contra Revolutionary. If they were to invade, you know, Costa Rica. I mean, the American army would have been all over the place. So we have to evaluate a thing by by its association, get the whole picture, and so forth. Hmm? So Rohini by association, full-fledged Brajbasi, and so is Balaram, and Balaram is really the brother of Krishna. How is he the brother? You know, he's born from Rohini. Krishna's born from Nishoda. Hmm? By affection. Hmm? This is the rule. Hmm? Sometimes a neighborhood boy maybe more the son of a man than his own son. Hmm? Because he always comes over, wants to help out, and his own son is off doing his own thing and doesn't care about him. And It happens in that way sometimes. Hmm? So, something this is anyway about um, Balaram, crystal in color, as I said, living only a transparent medium, as sometimes the guru is described, the transparent medium representing Krishna. He's representing Krishna. He doesn't have the color of his own, hmm? so to speak. Hmm? He doesn't have a life of his own, so to speak. Living only for Krishna. So, Akanda Guru Tattva, very powerful, prominent person in our Sampradaya. And here we come now, this is a long introduction, of course, but we'll be brief with our um, um, discussion here of this aspect, this part of the Brahma Vimohan Lila. It comes towards the end, as I say, and um, so we're jumping ahead because it's Baladev Purnim. And what happens? Well, this for, for one year now, almost, for 360 days, there's 365 in a year, about 364 or five days, as Sukadev will explain, um, after the killing of Agasura, uh, the uh, inhabitants of Vrindavan and Balaram start to notice something that's been going on for a whole year. Hmm? What is that? It says, Tato vidurach charato gavo vatsan upavrajam govardhan adri 
Shilasi Chara Charantyo Dadrishustrenam. Thereafter, while pasturing atop of Govardhan Hill, the cows looked down to find some green grasses, and they saw their calves pasturing in Vrindavan, not very far away. Hmm? A daily occasion. But, as the text goes on to say, when the cows saw their own calves from atop Govardhan Hill, the calves that they were seeing, these were really yearlings. Hmm? Calves are beautiful, but yearlings are even more beautiful, such as adolescents. Hmm? Yearling is so charming. Not quite a full-grown cow. You want to just keep them that size. Hmm? That's the beauty of Krishna. He always stays that size. Hmm? Adolescents. Hmm? This is this, in the Brajlila. He never becomes Yona, youth. He's always a Kishore. Hmm? Um, so, these were yearlings, but still, the cows would be more inclined to give milk, their milk, to their calves, who are newborn calves. The yearlings have been weaned. Hmm? But the cows see the calves, excuse me, their yearlings, and they run down from the top of Govardhan Hill hmm, to give their milk to the yearlings, neglecting their calves. And they run, they hightail it. That's where the saying comes from. They hightail it. Their tails are up. You see the cows run. Their tails are up. And, and it's as if they had two feet, one front foot and one back foot. That means when they run, the faster they, they keep the feet together, like this, then they can run faster. So putting the two feet in front together and the two feet in the back, they ran down the hill. It means they had a great speed with, with great utsaha, great utkantita, great longing and enthusiasm to unite with the yearlings and give them their milk. And of course, this is a problem for the cowherds because, well, if the, if the yearlings start drinking the milk, then you know, it'll, it'll be a problem for the for the dairy and, and so forth. You give the calves some and keep some, for the, and they're managing this and keep some for the humans and so forth. So then the cowherds are all upset mm-hmm. and they try to, in, try to stop this. And as they, of course, the boys are bringing back, coming back with the yearlings. And so they, as they try to stop the cows from meeting and giving their milk to the yearlings, they see their boys and while they're first upset and angry and embarrassed that this is happening, that they're supposed to be cowherders and, and, and the, this, they're not herding properly and so forth, managing the herd, uh, they see their boys and they, 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 they lose all their concern hmm, for anything other than seeing their boys and embracing them and, 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 and showing as the cows show an extraordinary measure of affection for these yearlings. So the elders are showing an extraordinary measure of affection for their, for their sons. Hmm? This is why Rupa Goswami, Jiva Goswami, Vishnu Chakrati Thakur said at the end of the section on Raghunuga Bhakti, where Sambandhanuga Bhakti is described, that Vatsalya Leela, that, 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 excuse me, that, that, the, that the Brahmavi Mohan Leela is an entry point into Sambandhanuga Bhakti. Hmm? This is one of the reasons. Because 
The implication, of course, we know is that for one year, all the cowherds got to have Krishna directly as their son. All the cows, they're also in Vatsalya Rasa. The, their yearlings, yearlings were directly Krishna. This is it. It's not that the indirect experience isn't complete. To be a servant of Mother Yashoda, for example, to be she's the main mother of of the whole of Vrindavan. Nanda Maharaj is the main father of the whole of Vrindavan, the king and queen. And their son is the main son. And everybody agrees with that. It's not a problem. And um, so those in Vatsali Rasa, for example, they're all subordinate to Nanda and, and, and to Shoda. But here, in the Brahma Mohan Lila, they get Krishna also directly as their son for one year. They don't know it, in one sense. But, but Balaram is seeing this, is the point here. It's been going on for a year. And he's wondering, oh, you know, yeah, I think I, I saw this before. I didn't take notice of it. Now it's striking me. This is extraordinary. Why is this happening? Why are the cows so affectionate to their yearlings? Why are the parents so affectionate to their, to their sons? Hmm? Um, more so than, than, I, than, I, than I've ever seen before. Generally, the relationship between the parents and their sons will be a relationship that augments their parental affection for Krishna. Hmm? Here, Krishna, the object of their love, is taking the place of their son. And so, I mean, how, of course the implication is how much Krishna loved those boys, that he could replicate them, that he could manifest a duplicate of them that was so perfect. Hmm? You see, he had to know their heart completely, their feelings, their uh, everything about them, hmm? in order to to become those boys in such a way that even the parents could not detect that it was someone else playing the part of my son. Hmm? The implication is how much he loves those cowherds. It's said in, about Sakiras that every cowherd boy thinks Krishna loves me the most. Hmm? And it said, and every one of them is right. Hmm? That is a very wonderful statement. Hmm? We're not... We, 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 there's some resemblance between our love in this world and love of Krishna, but this is one of the differences. Hmm. How that pursuit of whatever is that, whatever it would be, parental love, friendly love, servitorship, or romantic love, how it has the capacity to reach perfection in the, in in divinity, in in in. In, in, if you will, in the, in the person of Krishna. This is the, the idea. Hmm? And as I said often, these are the, really the forces that govern our lives. This is what life is about. It is about dasya. It is about sakya, batsalya, madhuri. This is what we live for. It, it, the, the, that is the bottom line. That's what all our movements are about. Hmm? We're not moving because of the head. We're moving because of the heart, if we have any real movement at all. Hmm? As I've often said, we, we, we may be a scientist in the laboratory, but if we find out you know, that something has happened to our son, we drop everything and run you know, to, to attend to that. That's, that. Everything else is kind of external, and we're doing it for, uh, you know, as they say, the family is first or something like that, you know, for our children. You know, 
So these are the forces of the world. And of course, they pertain to the subjective element that that we are a particle of consciousness, not matter. So, um, so he they, he loves each one of them the most. It's possible it's not linear. It's kind of explained in a linear way, and so if we, if we enter into the spirit of it, we see it's 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 multi-dimensional, and it's a way of talking about this possibility of a un- dynamic union in love with the absolute. A very compelling and beautiful way of. Um, speaking about that ontological reality. If you understand the Chintubeta Beta, then you understand there must be something called Leela. Hmm? This love, uh, divine love, that, that, that makes enough union and enough difference for there to be that kind of interplay between ourselves. And the, and the interplay is extraordinary. It's very extraordinary because why? We all, want, we all feel that we're a unit of will. And we're self-determining in some sense, some sense. And it's true. We are kartritva. We are a doer. We, we, we animate the world. We bring the world to life. Right? Matter has some forces, and it's causal in some respects, but not if we don't, as consciousness, set it into motion, is the idea, in the first place. But when we, as units of, 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 of will... And, and self-determination. Hmm? If we are identified with matter, the extent to which we are such becomes obscured. The material energy inhibits our self-determining capacity, our will. But the swarup shakti that bhakti is constituted of facilitates the will of the jiva. That's why, for example, let's take sakirasa. In sakirasa... Sometimes Krishna serves his coward friends. Sometimes the friends serve Krishna. That's Sakirasa. Hmm? And Dasirasa always serving Krishna. Hmm? And Sakirasa, sometimes they serve, they serve him, sometimes he serves them. This is the intimacy of that. Hmm? The, cow, the point I'm making here is the cowherds have desires of their own. We think, well, this, you have to give up all material desire, be selfless. So you give up all material desire hmm? in the context of bhakti. Hmm? The fact that you're a unit of will now comes out. It, what you are and your capacity comes to the fore by the influence of the Srupa Shakti. And the Srupa Shakti is facilitating your will. Therefore, what you want in the context of Leela Seva happens. Hmm? And it's, it's in the context of, of, of Lila Seva, in the context of the, of the jurisdiction of the Sarup Shakti and what Bhakti is. So there's some parameters to that, hmm? if you will. But in the context of that, the devotees are doing all kinds of things that they want to do. And what they want to do, for example, as a cowherd, is pleasing to Krishna. They want to do something themselves. Hmm? They want to taste the tall fruits. Is coming in the in the fifteenth chapter, now just after the Brahma Mohan Leela, they want to taste them, hmm? and their wanting to taste them is pleasing to Krishna. It's an, it's you know the, the Sakya Rasa is a full life. The Madhurya Rasa is a full life. Hmm? Sharanagati is the basis, and in, 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 on that stage, 
self-determination, so to speak. Our, our bhakti is a self-determination. By the influence of bhakti, we determine, in a sense, once we get the association, the opportunity, ourself. If we get the association of sakiras, of madhuriras, in a prominent way, obviously we'll be influenced by that association. That's the direction we'll go. And in the context of that, there'll be some self-determination within that. Every word is different. Every gopi is different. Hmm? And they, they have, in the context of being living only for Krishna's will, they have their own desire. But their own desires are all pleasing to Krishna. It's a very interesting phenomenon. How different that is from Brahma Sayuja, from merging in Brahman. <laughs> That's why we, we call that a self-determination. And from the Gaudi perspective, it's like a self-kind of, kind of suicide. Hmm. How friendly is bhakti? to the, our human sensibilities, that we are a self-determined determined entity. We're making our own choices. and We have a sense like that. To some extent, it's true. Of course, the more we're influenced by material nature, the more actually material nature is making the choices. To give it a modern translation, you think you are doing things that really the brain is doing. Hmm? Of course, then we go on to say, as the Gita says, but you're not a brain at the same time. You may have, you may have been identified with it in such a way that uh, it's doing things and you think that that's you, but well, you're only witnessing, but you do have a life independent of the brain, and that's what we want to get to. Hmm? So, what a beautiful idea. Hmm? So here, anyway, to continue the narrative, all these... Uh, Elders here, the cows in this case, and the elder cowherds, Balaram sees this and he, he, he thinks, this is extraordinary. What's happening here? Uh, all these, uh, first he thinks, maybe is it, is it some, some demon has done something here? Hmm? Some power? Is it some demigod power? Hmm? What, what, what is it? And of course then he, he, he sorts it out, I'm skipping ahead here, but he sorts it out and he says, Keyam va kuta ayata daibi va nari utasuri prayo mayatsu me bhartu nanyame pi vimohini. He says, well, whose mystic power is this? What, what's, what's happening? Hmm? Uh, where does it come from? Is, this, is she a demigod, a demigoddess, a, a demoness? giving it a feminine character. She must be, this is a conclusion, she must, no, that can't be. Because it's bewildering me, Balaram is saying. I can't be bewildered by, bewildered by the power of a demoness or, or a goddess. Hmm? Um, uh, I'm bewildered by it. So he is invoking his omniscience here. Hmm? And, and he realizes this is the power of my master. Hmm? He, he has, the, and it's, it's also the power of his love, like I said, the power to fully represent those cowherds and those yearling calves in such a way that the mothers could not detect that it was, it was someone else. It's, it's Krishna. How much he, he knew all their desires, their feelings, everything about them. Hmm? He's so identified with them. They're so... They're independent desires, but they're so, at the same time, identified with him. It's very extraordinary. It's a beautiful idea. Hmm? What is bhakti rasa? Hmm? 
And so Balaram understands, no, this can't be the power of a, go- a goddess or a demoness, hmm? but rather, prayo mayatstu me bartu. It is my bartu. He says, it is the power. Nanyumepi vimohini. It is the vimohini of my bartu. It is the bewildering power of my master. So this is the famous statement of the Bhagavatam in which Balaram, in the context of the Brajalila, expresses himself as, in terms of his dasya, the dasya component of his sakirasa. Hmm? Krishna is my master. As I said, what's happening here is Balaram's head is spinning as to the power, the extraordinary power of Krishna. And Balaram is like second in command. So if he says it, hmm, that Krishna's power to bewilder, to delude, to, to make people think the way he wants and, uh, and so forth is so extraordinary that I am bewildered by it. There's no other power that could bewilder me. This must be the power of Krishna. And for one year, I've seen this and haven't noticed it. Now I'm starting to take notice of it. Hmm? Vishnu Chakratakwa comments that in four or five stages, Krishna gradually started to remove the power of his illusion that made Balaram miss an obvious point that now, five days before the end of the Leela, he's starting to notice and become curious about. Hmm? And, and this is all introducing the extraordinary Aishvari that these chapters bring out that demonstrates Krishna is the source of Narayan. So Brahma now will, will see that the, the, end of the, the end of the year comes, which is a moment of Brahma. He returns back and, he's, and Krishna shows. Oh, you wonder why there's coward boys in the cave and why there's coward boys here still playing? Just see, I am the coward boy. And, 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 and he shows innumerable forms of Narayan. All the cowards turn into four-armed Narayans. Each of them have universes with Brahmas and so forth. And Brahmas, seeing that from Krishna comes innumerable Narayans. Uh, from my Narayan comes innumerable universes. Krishna is the super Narayan. This is very extraordinary. So Balaram is like, his bewilderment and his testimony here is a preface to the bewilderment of Brahma, the extent of it, it's saying, even I'm bewildered by what to speak of Brahma. Krishna is too, Bhagavan Swayam. He is, um, he, this is where it all ends, so to speak. Hmm? Um, he's, he is, he is, he is Swayam Bhagavan. Hmm? So here, uh, again, Balaram expresses his, his dasirakti. This is where Krishna now becomes his, his guru. Hmm? So these chapters, as I say, besides emphasizing importantly as they do this point of tattva, it's important, essential for Raghunuga Bhakti, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, they also showcase the sentiments of dasya, vatsalya, and of course sakya. Vatsalya rasa, as we were mentioning, the cowherds and the cows, hmm? uh, extraordinary experience of vatsalya rasa. The whole thing from beginning to end is about sakya rasa, and here we find this dasya rasa element. Hmm? Now Brahma will, of course, reflect on all these in the 14th chapter. He will glorify the dasya rasa, he will glorify the vatsalya rasa, and he will glorify with amplification sakya rasa, that is his own sentiment. Hmm? And he will avoid speaking in this context about madhurya rasa and that way emphasize it. Hmm? 
and having emphasized this this Sambandhanuga Bhakti as he has in Sakyaras in particular, then he will, showing his attraction and his affinity for it, he will take a step back and do Dandavat pranams to it. Pujala Raghapata Gaurava Bhangi Matala Harijan Kirtanarange. This is the banner at the Chaitanya Saraswat Math, engraved in stone, a line from a from a song uh, written by Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur that speaks about worshipping the Ragmarg, having awe and reverence for the Ragmarg. Hmm? Not for Krishna, but for the inhabitants who who love him in that way, such that at a certain point they may be inclined to open the door for us to enter into that. Hmm? That's how we'll enter in, not by charging in there ourselves, but by, that is what Raghunuga is, to follow in the footsteps of those paradigmatic figures, those ragatmikas that embody those, those sentiments. So it's a worship of them, if you will, that's how it begins, and a following of them and that ends up in, in experiencing and being an embodiment of that very same Baba, oneself. So Brahma will, rest- he actually says this, Pujala Ragata Bhorabhangi, more or less. He says, but I want this. I want this. He describes Krishna beautifully in the beginning of his prayers. Beautiful depiction of Krishna in his Sesh Kumar Leela, just at the cusp between his Kumar Leela and his Poganda Leela, so relative to Sakyarasa. And a beautiful description of him with the flute tucked in his in his belt and his bugle and cowherd stick under his left arm. And later on in the chapter, that central picture of Krishna with all the cowherds in concentric circles around him. Each one feels like Krishna's looking directly at me and so forth. Beautiful, beautiful description. These types of uh, images are invoked and Brahma's with great feeling, aspires to attain that picture of Krishna, to enter into that window of Leela. And then he says, but I would be best if I could just serve those people that are doing that. Even if I could be born as a blade of grass and they're there and they would step on my head, that might be good for me. This is where he's saying, puja la raga puja He's got the foreheads, he's thought it out. So this is the this is the way hmm? we follow them. We worship. We have we have regard for them and so forth. And in this way, these chapters are very instructive, and they're an appropriate uh, discussion, material for discussing on the occasion of Sri Baldev Purnim. Sri Baldev Purnim, Amotsvatiti, Ijai. Well, I think we've talked a little long. What's the time? Any question? Were the other ashrams able to hear? Yes. Yes? Good broadcast. I want to take the occasion here in a moment to to thank all the the devotees from San Jose, uh, Saraswat Gaudiamath, to have come to observe the Baladev Purnim and Julian Yatra at Madhavan. You're always welcome as dear home uh, in the country, there in a beautiful country, Puravida. <laughs> they say loud and clear, we're swooning, they're exalting. Very good.
शिवादे पूर्णिमाति की जाय गौ नित्यानंद की जाय गौर भक्त बिंद की जाय गौ प्रेमानंदे